Hello, and welcome to the Theology Meets Reality podcast, the podcast for people who seek to follow Christ in the midst of the messiness of life and parenting. We are Lisa and Greg Casimir, and we are not afraid to deviate from the norm of culture, even Christian culture, to make sure that we are applying what we believe about God to how we live. We've been talking in season one about identity and what makes us who we are and how we're seen by ourselves and others. This is the last podcast of this season, and we're going to close it out by talking about our identity in the body of Christ. As Christians, we don't only have an identity independent of others, but also as Christ's body in the church. This episode, episode six, is a culmination of all we've talked about this season, and we hope you'll find it interesting and encouraging. Hi, Greg. Hi, Lisa. High five to us for finishing the first season of our podcast. Yay. <laughs> High five. Yes, accomplishment. Um, I had a question prepared for Greg that he didn't like, and so we decided instead he's going to tell us about his new friend. It's a mocking. <laughs> we have a bird feeder, uh, a window feeder uh, outside one of our windows in the backyard, and I have been dutifully putting bird seed in it for over a year now. And um, over like the last couple of weeks, when I go out to put the seed in the uh, in the feeder in the morning, there's one, sometimes two mockingbirds that are like up on the the gutter um, of our patio. And if I put bird seed like on a window ledge, one window away, they are trusting. Like I guess they recognize me that I am the one who's coming out putting the bird seed in every morning. And they'll land on that um, on that window ledge while I'm still filling the uh, feeder, and they'll eat from it. And then um, most birds like fly yards away when I come near them, but they just kind of fly over to the fence line and wait, or they like go over and under the other side of the patio and wait for me to go inside, and then they come back out. And it's just fun, you know. I. I'll admit I say like good morning to them or whatever because if I if you know if I, I figure if I'm they hear my voice or whatever they'll not be scared if I'm you know in the backyard but not putting seed in there yeah um, I also like you know I change the water in the bird bath and stuff so I'm out there and it's just fun that they're kind of recognizing me it is fun and our kids love birds and they know a ton about birds like more than we do they can identify all kinds of birds but they've Given you the mockingbird. They're like, that's that's friend <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. Was that your friend, Dad? They ask <laughs> that's when your they, friend. When they see the mockingbird on the window ledge. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. It's my friend. And then that's always like my joke with the kids is when you hear like a bird call, it's like, what is that? Oh, it's a mockingbird. Like it's always a mockingbird. Because <laughs> like, it always could that's be. That's too easy. It might be. <laughs> anyway, it has been fun. A little benefit of hanging out at home more, huh? Yeah, and th- we have a surprising variety of birds. It's been really nice. Uh, the We have a red-winged blackbird that shows up from time to time. Yeah. It's really cool. The bird, ca- bird podcast. <laughs> Another time. <laughs> Another time. <laughs> Let us bore you with our bird stories. Another the time. People are into birds. Our kids would do a really good bird podcast. Yeah. I The... the oh, gosh. I just forgot. The, I, it was either a cooper hawk or a um, red-tailed hawk. It was like in the bird feeder a month or so ago scared all the other birds out of the yard but he was just hanging out in the bir- in the bird bath rather um getting a sip of water <laughs> it's it's fun i 
you know, when you're at home and you have lots of time to stare out the windows, it's fun when there's a bird or something there. So this season, we've talked about our biblical identity. We talked about how we identify politically, how our personalities factor into our identities, our gender identity, and our work. So in this episode, we're going to tie a bow on the whole concept of identity and talk about who we are as the body of Christ, as part of the church. We're going to first talk about some cultural hangups about identity as it relates to the church. And then, of course, we're going to go back to the Bible and see what God's word says about the body of Christ. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So that's how our podcast works. Like at least the way we envision it is that we kind of try to help get you thinking about maybe the looking beyond what you've always done or people around you have always done to take it back to the Bible and see if it still aligns with God's word. Right. Um, so I've just identified four different cultural hangups is what I call them. Kind of things I see in culture that different people think that might not be in line with scripture. So one of the first things is church affiliation. So of course it's good to be associated with a church and a denomination, but sometimes it can go too far where people think that their denomination or their specific church is better than other churches and they they can struggle to see the United Church beyond that building. Um, And sometimes people can even dismiss other denominations or get caught up in the differences that we have between denominations instead of in the orthodoxy that we have in common. So, I mean, have you seen this? You're nodding a lot. So it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I've seen this a lot, a lot, a lot that, you know, that there are uh, problems with all denominations. Like no denomination is perfect, Um, but it's, it is, I think pretty critical as the body of Christ to focus on the the things that we're getting right across the spectrum the, the you know, there's certain non-negotiables. Right. Um, and then the other things we can either agree to disagree on or have constructive dialogues about them um, and try to understand their point of view and why they have that. And, provided it does not interfere with the critical like tenets of the faith then it's probably okay to um agree to disagree right i've even seen more than just um being too associated with a specific denomination is um people who just really like their specific church or their specific like pastor or leader um and kind of get caught up in that which doesn't mean you shouldn't have a church that you love because you should but just to make sure that you keep it in perspective that it's not like superior to others right because you know you have not attended all churches so yeah you don't know i I think our culture can kind of build that up of course because it seems better if there's more people going for example or if it gets more press or whatever then of course it seems better than your you know small country church that nobody's heard of yeah but man that your your small country pastor could be doing an amazing job and no one really knows it and that's between him and god and that's you know that's awesome if he's doing that and you know there's a place for everyone in the body of christ yeah um the second hang up is nationalism or ethnocentrism so sometimes we think that we do christianity the best or have the most genuine or real faith. So 
like I think sometimes people do that in America or in like a specific culture within America that this is the way Christianity needs to be done. And of course we saw that in some of the Western missionaries when they would go to far parts of the world and then end up kind of trying to Westernize the cultures instead of just Christianizing the cultures. And I think that was out of well, I can't tell you for every person, but it seems like some of it, they probably didn't even know how to separate their Western culture from Christianity. Right. Because that's the only way they knew it to be. But of course, Christianity doesn't have to look exactly the way that it does in your local community. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, it hasn't for centuries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The way Americans do church has at most been since you know, the 1700s or so. So, Yeah, so that kind of leads into the third one, which is that we can forget that it's a worldwide and historical church. I think the issue with this is probably ignorance, do you think, too? Like, that people just don't have a, a big knowledge of church history or, like, how other churches around the world, you know, work? Or what do you think? I, I, I agree it's likely a lack of historical context. Uh, for what the church did like you know usually you will learn about the forefathers of your particular denomination uh, who may have come from you know obviously they came from a different denomination and then made your denomination but it it never it rarely goes beyond that Um, you know there's acts in the bible and then a huge gap of time and then your denomination started. And that's generally what people have knowledge of. You know, they might be aware of, like, say, Luther or generally right. Calvin. Yeah. But myself included, I don't have a very robust uh, history of the church. But it exists and it, it informs and shaped everything that we have today. Yeah. Yeah, I did take church history for a couple semesters in seminary and learned a lot, but there's so much more that I don't know. I'm listening to a podcast now that is going through the centuries, first, second, third, and I'm on the fourth century of like church history, and it's so fascinating. Um, And there's a lot in the worldwide church that I don't know about. Um, I'm not very well traveled. I wonder if like Zoom traveling helps people. Oh yeah, for sure. And the, I think you you know you were right about the you know Western. Uh, missionaries going abroad and like just trying to bring the Western church to wherever they went. I think that missionary trips where, uh, you know, church members are sent to support an existing church where they don't, they're not going to do it the way they did it at home. They're going to do it the way that the host church does things. Right. Helps a lot. Right. Um, because you're, you are doing it the way it's done there. Um, and you get to experience the culture uh, that has informed that church uh, and see how these, you know, genuine believers exist outside of your microcosm of the church you have at home. Yeah. Um, so when we look at Christianity around the world by continent, there may be more Christians elsewhere than we even recognized. So, for example, in Africa, there are more than 600 million Christians. In Asia, there's nearly 400 million Christians. In Europe, there's about 550 million Christians, which is about one-fourth of the global Christian population. And then the highest number of those reside in Russia, and then Germany is second. 
And then next is Latin America, where about 600 million Christians live. And North America, about 230 million Christians live. So Christianity really is a wide, world-spread religion. Um, And it's not just something that exists kind of in North America, for example, or North America and Europe. And then I don't have the statistics on the growing churches, but what I've heard is that churches are growing really well outside of the United States and Europe. So that's forgetting that it's a worldwide and historical church. And then the fourth cultural hangup I picked out was the idea that one doesn't need to be attending a church to be a practicing Christian. So this one I feel like I've heard a lot since the pandemic, or I guess whenever you talk about like the new generations, like millennials and generation Z is the idea that if they are Christians, they don't necessarily feel like they need to go to church to practice Christianity. Yeah. I've heard that. Um, there was a Gallup poll from very recently in March, 2021, which says that church membership fell below 50% for the first time in the U S but, um, even though they say seven out of a 10 still affiliate with some type of organized religion, but far fewer, less than half, have a formal membership with a specific house of worship. So I do know that for the younger generations, membership in general has gone down. Um, millennials and Generation Z are less likely to be members of like any kind of club or organization in general. Yeah. But I have heard, even from older people, like... <laughs> People beyond those generations who feel like they don't need to actually go to church to be a Christian, which is true. Like to be saved, you don't have to be a member of a church. Like that's not required for salvation. But I think that is required for obedience to Christ's word. Is And we'll talk about that next when we get to the Bible. Um, I also think it mixes. I feel like it can be concerning because it mixes with a lot of people who say, I am spiritual or I am religious, but I just don't associate with anything in particular. Whereas they kind of have that they wouldn't be Christian. They would just have their own kind of idea of religion. Right. And so I feel like it's concerning if people, everybody's kind of at home doing their own thing. (laughs) Then where is the orthodoxy and the encouragement and things like that? Right. And the, the, the source of like truth and, uh, like validity of what you believe. Um, You don't necessarily need like someone with like a PhD or anything to help interpret the Bible for you, but you do need to like discuss the Bible and what you're perceiving from it with someone else to make sure that you're not just making things up. Yeah. And we need everybody in the church. Yes. Yes, we do. When the Bible says that, we're going to jump now to what the Bible says about the church and our identity as the body of Christ. So we talked about unity in the church being a huge priority, specifically um, in the life of Jesus. He talks about this a lot. And in John 17, um, Greg's going to read about that, about this is Jesus speaking. Yeah. Uh, John 17, 20 to 23. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us, and the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, 
so that they may be one as we are, I in them and you in me, all being perfected into one. Then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Okay, so Christ desires the unity of the church. And it's through that unity and love for one another that other people will come to Christ, right? Because they'll see our love. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, and I'm asking myself the same question, like, is the unity of the church like such a priority for me as well? Like, do I put aside other things to emphasize the unity of the church and to love other Christians in a, like, countercultural way? It's a good question to ask. Um, I, I personally, like, I, I'm hoping I'm doing an okay job at this. Um, I'm far from perfect. And, you know, we people can always kind of grate you the wrong way. But in, at the end of the day, you still need to love them and have patience and um, continue to be in, like, fellowship with them. Right. Um, because if, if you're, if you have differing beliefs or positions, political positions, you know, socioeconomic, whatever, um, we have nothing to gain by separating ourselves and staying in our own camps. Um, that's not to say that you should stay in like particularly hostile, uh, situations or anything where people are very strongly um opposed to your beliefs but um still need to uh love one another as christ loves us and it's it's hard and that's why we have the holy spirit to help us do that because we can't do it on our own we've we've fully demonstrated that um throughout human history uh, that is very difficult for us to get along. Yeah. Even though it's difficult, and it will be, we aren't meant to be Christians alone. Our identity is not, it's not just all about us. Right. Um, we're Because we're bought with a price, we are part of the family of God and Christ, um, Christ's body through the church. So from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about gifts <clears throat> that are given to people and we all have been given spiritual gifts. Every single person has Christian has a spiritual gift and they're not for ourselves, but for the benefit of all. So if we are just not participating in any sort of church or anything like that, then we're not appropriately using our gifts. So let me read a short section from first Corinthians 12. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit and there are different ministries, but the same Lord and there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them and everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. For one person is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, another the message of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another performance of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And so because each person is given different things, everyone needs to participate to be the complete body of Christ. And if you feel like you don't have anything to contribute in your church, and that's just not what the Bible is saying. Right. Um, we all have a part to play. 
not just pastors, priests, or those on the payroll. I think some churches do a better job of this than others. I think some churches um, are really easy to serve in. Maybe people are always asking you to serve or it's very, very volunteer driven. Um, I know a lot of churches are like that where it would fall apart completely if there weren't volunteers. Mm -hmm. I think some churches are heavily staffed and it seems like you're not as welcome to serve if you don't have an official position. Uh, Yeah. But in any church like whichever one of those, um, everybody needs to participate and contribute their gifts. Um, yeah. Okay. And certainly some churches are better than others at having like systems and programs in place to help you find your place to serve. Yeah. The last thing that we're going to talk about after we go through the scripture is kind of like, well, what can we do about this? Or like, how can we be more united? How can we serve? For example, so we'll kind of get to the application at the end. So there's a really great section from 1 Corinthians 12. It's a little bit longer, but I really think it's worth reading. So it says, There are many members, but one body. One eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I do not need you. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential. And those members we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity, but our presentable members do not need this. Instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser member, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have mutual concern for one another. If one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. If a member is honored, all rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body, and each of you is a member in it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helps, gifts of leadership, different kinds of tongues. Not all our apostles are they, not all our prophets are they, not all our teachers are they, not all perform miracles, do they? And so it's, and it continues on in a similar. So it talks about how every person has a place in the body and there, that there isn't one that's like specifically, um, more valuable than other, but every part is needed, just like every part in your body is needed. And we're all part of Christ's body, and each of you is a member of it. And God has put us together to be united. And then, of course, in Romans, it talks about there's no division of the body of Christ in any way. Yeah, in Romans chapter 12. I think that one's about the gifts, but you go ahead, you read it and then we'll get to what it is. Oh, okay. It says, as God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have made, have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God has given us, given each of us this ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 
Thanks. That's why I wanted to read so much directly from the Bible because it just speaks so clearly and you know it's from the Bible and not from us. But it is really clear. It even says we belong to each other like you just read. And then, of course, there's no division in the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, a section I didn't read talks about how there is no longer any race, there's no ethnicity, there's no like gender or financial status that would be excluded from the church. Like We need everybody, all different types of people, to come together as the fullness of the body of Christ. And so we need to use our gifts for the benefit of the church, and then the church is Christ's body in the world now that Jesus has ascended heaven yeah and that's part of our identity in christ it's it's really cool like that we that we matter like beyond ourselves do you know what i mean yeah yeah and we're part of something bigger people want to be part of something bigger like that's just a natural inclination of it in us yeah and this is the biggest thing you can be a part of there you go and the most important right very cool okay so let's go to the next part which is how can we change our practice like how can we apply what we've been talking about in our podcast so the first step is if you're not already participating in and committed to a local church, that is something that you should do first. Make sure that you are part of a body of Christ and that you are participating in it regularly. So the second thing, once you're doing that, is to volunteer to serve. If you don't think there's anything you can do, that's probably not true. <laughs> um, I was recently on a Zoom call with a woman who's on staff at a church, and she's just struggling to get volunteers like calling people and they're like i'm busy doing life and she's like yeah. you need to serve and we do need to serve even though we're busy doing life um but anyway i would try as much as you can to try to serve and if they're if the church does not want you to participate that's there's something wrong there i don't know yeah. I, I i expect they would be happy to have you serve yeah i mean any i would think any church would be able to find a place for you to do something right even if it's you know like the the Saturday morning like landscaping crew or right. helping to empty trash after church services or something you know there's always going to be something I would assume yeah and we have to be willing to serve where we're needed too because sometimes it's like you may want to teach a Sunday school class but what they really need is somebody to like clean up after whatever after everybody's left or something that's much less fun yeah. and much less seen right and you know currently and the current climate of the world like they probably need people to help disinfect things which is does not sound fun but uh that may be something that you can help with yeah so we can volunteer to serve um and then pray for unity of the church like that's something that jesus did so we can directly follow his example by praying for the unity of the church and i found a prayer for the specific thing from the book of common prayer that i thought i would read right now so you can pray along with us it says, O oh God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace seriously to lay to the heart of great dangers we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord, that as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so we may all be of one heart and of one soul united to the one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and charity, and may with one mind and mouth glorify thee. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's a really lovely prayer, isn't it? Yeah. It's not that hard to take the time to pray for the unity of the church around the world. And it, you know, you you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. And so right. like, this is something that you're praying for the church, 
but in reality you're like this prayer is for you that you would be open to being united with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because uh you can't wait for the other people to not uh like be annoyed or angry mm-hmm. or have divisions you have to be you have to be the one willing to set down the differences and the difficulties and extend a hand in peace to try to come together. Like, it, you know, if we all waited, I don't know that anything would actually happen. There you go. Another idea I had. <laughs> no, that's great. I was just thinking about from college when they would say, like, be the change you wish to see in the world. And that it's a true like yeah, statement. Yeah, it is true, and I, <laughs> that I, made me think of that. I specifically avoided saying that because that is what came to mind. Be but it, the change. Be the change. Well, through the Holy Spirit, like God can change all of us. But you're absolutely right. We can't wait for anybody else to change. Right. You. I mean, you can, by all means, please do pray for other people. But you know, be aware that there's likely something that you need to change in yourself. Yeah. It's the whole log in your own eye thing. Um, the next idea I thought of to try to increase our unity is to read theologians who are outside of your race or maybe your country or your denomination or time period. Um, and that goes back to the church history thing. It does. And it's kind of like the broader idea of seeing the worldwide church because mm-hmm. we very often read people that we've heard of or kind of connected with our denomination. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like people tend to read their pastor or their pastor's favorite pastor or um, you know, people from their own denomination. Right. Um, and you don't have to agree with every single thing that the person writes. Um, of course, like use discernment, but there's a lot of great theology probably and theologians probably beyond what you may have read. Um, I've read recently like some Catholic theologians that have been really interesting. Of course, I don't agree with everything in there, but that doesn't mean I can't kind of take out what Um, is useful in there. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes um, and on our website that will have a, there's a Christianity Today article that has a whole list of some really great black theologians who I'm sure you probably haven't read through all of them. So that's a place to start if you haven't read um, many theologians from a black church. And of course, just to read someone doesn't mean you have to agree with every detail of what they say. But, um, I don't know, try to read something kind of different or like even from another um, country. Yeah, the the perspective difference alone um, will likely be very uh, enlightening uh, just because they they do church differently and they do their faith walk differently. They do community differently. Yeah. And so you can see ways that, whoa, uh, I've never thought about church that way or having a community uh react in that way or you know all kinds of different things will come up and just you know the whatever the holy spirit guides you to take out of it yeah um and then the lastly i would say try not to make sweeping judgments of like general oh this denomination is bad or people from this denomination are bad um if you know somebody from a specific denomination who's not the best example of Christianity, it doesn't mean everybody in that denomination is equally (laughs) like they're not all the same. It's not fair to put it on the whole denomination. And then I would even say even beyond 
the teachings of the denomination try to be open to the people who attend there. I know there can be a huge spectrum of people who identify with a specific church who don't necessarily all believe the same. Yeah, and it as we talked about in a previous podcast, like the people who are currently a member of that denomination, when they joined, the denomination could have been quite different. Right. And they have just steadfastly remained to um, be a faithful witness amidst what has changed. Um, so, you know, there are good, devout uh, Christians among every denomination. And just because things uh, outwardly, publicly may not look the greatest, it doesn't mean everyone in it is totally on board with all of that stuff. Yeah, that's true. I wanted to mention this is kind of an aside, but like Greg, the the priest who leads our Bible study, have you noticed that he always brings up like theologians and quotes from people? Many of them are like outside of our tradition. I have noticed that. I think that's really cool, just because it shows that he respects other people. You know, in the in the broader church, like he's not just pulling everybody who is just like us, kind of thing. Yeah, because it you know that. There are valid uh, biblical thought outside of outside of denomination, as we've talked about. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's really neat. I feel like he probably intentionally does that. Either that, or he's like super widely read. Maybe, Maybe both. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> call me. Hello, call me. <laughs> anyway, so let me just summarize real quick. So the the things we can do to change are get involved in a church if you're not already. Volunteer in your church. Read widely. Pray for unity of the church. And try not to make sweeping judgments, yeah? Yes. Yes. So a summary is we're not just individuals with different personalities and careers and political ideas, but we're also part of a bigger church that's called to represent Christ to the world. And the body of Christ calls us beyond the bounds of our ethnicity, our gender, our cultural opinions, etc., to a unity that can only be brought about by the Spirit. Which is really a beautiful thing. And we think about all the differences we've talked about so far in identity that God brings all of that together. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. So that was season one. It was a pretty good season. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the rookie season, you know. But I think we did all right. Um, if you think we did a good job, email us or leave a rating or review. If you are disgruntled, you know, say... <laughs> <laughs> we will also Don't take that. email us. No. Only positive encouragement right now. <laughs> <laughs> Theology meets reality. Actually, Greg receives the email, so I guess he can filter them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the emails. Well, I was saying only positive feedback. But I get negative feedback through personal people. He's <laughs> saying you have enough negative feedback. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know. Positive feedback only. Encourage encourage us. Okay. Yeah. Build us up. Thank you. Okay, we can give the benediction. Sure. Please. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners and we're praying for you. If you'll take two minutes to rate and review our new podcast, we would be so grateful. For more information on today's episode, head to theologymeetsreality.com or check out the show notes. Until next time, follow Christ 
not culture. <laughs>